Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here in the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, joining me is my co-host, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. And Jay, we are one step closer to real football. We're about a week and a half away. And uh, man, we had some exciting stuff happen over the last couple of days. And of course, the preseason game. And I'm excited to talk to you about all of it here over the next hour or so. Yeah, man. I mean, technically, we're getting some real football within a matter of days in college, right? And um, as a matter of fact, I put a tweet out for not just, you know, Division One, but uh, I put a tweet out about uh, the Black College Hall of Fame game. So, yeah, it's going to be Tennessee State and Grambling. Going to check that out. It's going to be on NFL Network. That should be exciting to watch and, you know, everything else that uh, comes with Week 1 and Division One. So, can't wait for that. And, yeah, like you said, next week – there is uh, all of the games that start for the NFL, starting with, I think, me and you talked about this, Dallas and Kansas City on um, – Tampa Bay. Can't, Tampa. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, the Reds, I get them all mixed up. <laughs> uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay, which, uh, you know, me and you think might be a little lopsided, but we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's still regular season football. We'll take it, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, as usual, man um, – Appreciate everybody for rating, commenting, subscribing. Uh, thanks for joining us once again. And uh, we got a real exciting episode today uh, because obviously the Jaguars gave us something to talk about positive for a change. And uh, it's no longer the meltdown that we were dealing with last week. You remember we talked about that and how the Jazz community was. So a little bit better news to talk about this time around. Yeah, we are all too familiar with the what a difference a week makes as far as positively and negatively. So at least this time around, things are on the upswing and we're going to discuss that game against the Dallas Cowboys here in just a moment, as well as all of the other roster moves that happened over the last couple of days. But before we do that, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors here this week. And first off, of course, we got to mention Bet Online. You know, it's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Make sure to get all the odds, props, and contests, and that includes the online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest, as well as the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, which is open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we also have to give a shout out to a new sponsor, Play Action. Exciting news. Our podcast is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on all the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. You sign up for our contest, which is a Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com. And then we get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools today. They've got Survivor, pick them, as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. All right, folks, so let's get into some actual game action from the other day. And, of course, that was the Jaguars traveling to Jerry World to face the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, Jay, going into this thing, we were really curious to see 
the offense, how much Trevor Lawrence was going to play. Of course, this was the first game after the Gardner Minshew trade, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. And boy, did they impress. You know, we talked about wanting to come into this game or come out of this game feeling a little bit better about the offense for sure. And man, did Trevor and the guys really, really deliver. Of course, you know the stat line by now. Trevor Lawrence finished the day. First two drives, 11 to 12, 139 yards and two touchdowns and looked really, really good. Commanding the offense looked a lot more comfortable. They got a nice flow going as well. So, you know, the defense looked good too, Jay, but we've seen spark, you know, flashes from the defense, whereas the offense has just looked totally stagnant through the first two preseasons game, preseason games, I should say. So, you know, talk about what you saw here from Trevor Lawrence in the offense early and how much better you feel now as opposed to how we did a week ago. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. You know, it, it came against second and third and fourth stringers. Uh, but nonetheless, where it does help the Jacksonville Jaguars is in terms of momentum. You didn't want to go into the regular season on the note that they were heading towards going into the regular season on after that second game against the New Orleans Saints. They just were kind of just, especially offensively, they were kind of just slow, lethargic. Um, and it just looked, you know, it just looked like they were just out of sync or whatever the case may be. But that being said, it was good to see Trevor Lawrence again, albeit he wasn't going against starters or anything like that. It was good to see Trevor Lawrence get in a rhythm, miss all but one pass. That's the kind of momentum you want to see, your, especially your rookie quarterback going to the regular season with. And I know people will be like, you know, like those are guys that probably won't even make the team and blase, blase this and blase, blase that. But when you look at the momentum Trevor Lawrence has and, and look at how he basically in that game showed us things that we had already been seeing in the preseason and, you know, hearing about in practice. That's a good thing to see that continuation and also be able to see it on a larger scale in terms of the completion uh, percentage, which, again, he, he missed but one all but one pass. It was good to see that uh, with our own eyes and, you know, just see him make these right-on-the-money throws like the one he made to Philip Dorsett where he dropped it right in the bread basket and the one he made to all of the other receivers, you know, him – uh, establishing that quick hit connection with uh, James O'Shaughnessy and just establishing that quick hit connection just in general uh, as well. Because, you know, that one of the things we were worried about is just, you know, Trevor Lawrence being in the pocket too long and, uh, you know, trying to read too many things and this, that, and the other. But, you know, Daryl Bevel, he gave people a little bit of, uh, you know, relief as well with the game plan in the sense of, allowing Trevor Lawrence to get back there and just get the ball out of his hand and just kind of do quick reads and this, that, and the other. Um, so, you know, it was really the game plan. It was really catered around making him comfortable. They did just that. Um, and you have to think that the Jacksonville Jaguars offense is going to only get better because, I mean, when you look at it from a technical standpoint, I mean, he was without, what, three of the top five players in that offense. Brandon Linder's not there, who we've always said is, you know, a top five center, albeit he's not healthy all the time. Uh, he was without, I mean, really, Andrew Norwell's the second best lineman on that team, technically. He was without him. He was also without, as we've said, Marvin Jones Jr., his favorite target, which we've seen proof of in the preseason and in and, and practice. He was out uh, without DJ, uh, DJ Chark, who was a former pro bowler. So it should only get better down the road. They have two weeks or, well, a little less than that now to practice and get in sync and, you know, get everybody back healthy and all of the starters and this, that, and the other. Um, but, you know, you have to feel a little bit more confident than you did uh, coming out of week two in terms of, you know, the Jazz' ability to beat the Houston Texans, who, you know, you could argue is probably one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, but you still had a little bit of concern, and now those concerns might be, a little bit, um, you know, simmer it down or whatever the case may be. Yeah, man. And like you said, it's all about the momentum. And because people were so worried, you know, through those first couple of games, I mean, you got Dan Orlovsky saying Urban Meyer needs to find an off a new offensive coordinator already, like just a lot of overreactions. And we're used to that this time of year, usually right around the end of August, September, you know, beginning of September, people are starting to panic, but we really have not truly seen the finished product of this. We still haven't seen Trevor line up with his full offensive line healthy with DJ Chark on one side, Marvin Jones in the other and LaVisca in the slot. We got Tyron Johnson coming in, who we're going to talk about here in just a moment. They're going to, I'm sure build up some chemistry. Uh, you know, you look at how he played last year with Justin Herbert. So of course, a lot of people 
very, very excited about that. And then you got James Robinson coming back, who, of course, you know, he had some, he battled some injuries here uh, towards the end of last year. But you got to think that when you get this offense at full strength, they get more time together. They're just going to get better. And we really needed to see this. Yes, it was against second, third, fourth teamers, but they really need to show the ability to move the football down the field to douse those flames, you know, those concerns that we were seeing over the last couple of weeks. And they certainly did that and definitely made me very, very happy. And I know it was just exciting to watch, you know, even if it's in the preseason, it's nice to see your team get into the end zone. <laughs> it's just nice to see. And we hadn't really seen it yet at all in terms of, you know, with Trevor uh, moving the ball down the field. So that felt good. Uh, another thing, of course, is we oh, I know you had something else to add on Jay. Go ahead. Yeah, and like you said, albeit it was against second, third, fourth teamers, and it was preseason football. At the same time, it was nationally televised. It was against the world, uh, America's team, if you will. So, you know, it was a lot of eyes on there, uh, not just because it was their, the Cowboys that they were going against, but people wanted to see Trevor Lawrence as well. And, you know, some people uh, especially have been curious because, you know, they've been skeptical on him for whatever reason, reading too many Jets blogs or something or going to ESPN too much and dialing in into uh first take when Ryan Clark is on there. But, you know, people were curious is what I'm saying. And they wanted to uh, basically see what he was about. Uh, and then the funny thing about it is when everybody saw what he was about, it's like, Oh, well, uh, he wasn't playing any starters or anything like that. So it's it's always going to be something with Trevor Lawrence, and that's okay. I guess that's what, what comes with the territory. But, look, man, it was a pretty, uh, I would think, a pretty watched game around the nation. LeBron James tuned in. I know he's a Cowboys fan, but uh, he tuned in, checked out Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, yeah, man, it's good to also get some, you know, spotlight in terms of actual the whole NFL community in the the um the casual fan base, if you will, too, because as we all know, we only have one, what is it, one primetime game, and that's against the Bengals. But um, aside from those two, you know, they're not going to really get the spotlight like that. So that was neat to see and neat to actually see Trevor Lawrence kind of silence the doubters, even though, uh, you know, he still does have a lot of doubters as well. Yeah, the opposite kind of outing that they had as far, uh, in New Orleans the week before. So, again, it was nice to get some eyes on it. You know, for, again, like you said, a team that's not going to get a lot of spotlight or shine, people are going to have to go out of their way to watch Trevor Lawrence this year. You know, so the fact that he came out and he had a really, really good game was important for sure. And, you know, we talked about the offense here, of course, looking good. And, Jay, I got to say, the defense looked really solid as well. And they've had their moments throughout the entire preseason. And I thought the defense looked pretty good against the saints and they definitely kept that momentum up here against Dallas. So, you know, of course Dallas was without Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, CD lamb, uh, you know, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, all of that. However, uh, you know, they looked really, really solid and you can really only play who's in front of you. So, you know, let's, what do you have to say about the defense that looked Really, really good, you know, albeit against lighter competition. But it's been nice to see that consistency from the defensive side of the football again, even though we're only talking about preseason here. Yeah, I mean, despite it being preseason and not against starters necessarily, the defense was really fun to watch, in my opinion. And I don't know, like, why they felt a little bit more exciting to watch than they did the last two weeks because they have had success in the first two weeks as well. But uh, it was just a lot of people flying around the ball and high energy going on. Um, it was a few standouts to me. I only watched the first half in-depthly. The rest I've just watched, again, you know, the first initial time while I'm typing and all of that stuff. But in-depthly, I watched the first half pretty good. I think I've seen at least every play in the first half twice. And there were guys making plays like Jihad Ward, man, like – he was a guy that was bringing the energy. His motor was very high all game. He was making plays behind the line of scrimmage. He was chasing down running backs from behind. Uh, he was doing it all, man. And, you know, he kind of had some moments in the prior two games as well. So you can see why Joe Cullen really liked him. I saw Kay Levon chase on making a few plays. I know, like, it's like the cool thing to pick on Kay Levon. It's That's just like the thing to do on Twitter and say, where is that guy? He's disappeared and this, that, and the other. But, um, you know, while he didn't necessarily – I mean, he had a few plays here and there where he, uh, you know, impacted the pass, uh, the passing game or whatever the case may be. Uh, but it was some things I was seeing against the run, you know, him him stepping up against the run and 
um, you know, turning running backs upfield and, and disengaging with much, much bigger offensive linemen and this, that, and the other. You know, it kind of made me excited to see what he can do in the regular season and if that can translate against starters. Uh, so he stood out. And, I mean, like, one guy that – and people are probably going to knock me for this. And I actually tweeted about this earlier that I saw that was close to making a few plays – Again, I don't think it justified him making a roster, but Taven Bryant was close to making a few plays, believe it or not, when you look at the film. And I think it was Irvin Meyer who said it yesterday or a day before yesterday that they saw some good things out of Taven Bryant. I mean, he was a guy like I think the first screen of the game in particular, uh, he was the guy that basically he went straight to the running back and recognized what was going on. And had the quarterback been able to get the ball to the running back, Taven Bryant would have been there to stop it, you know, like, or even perhaps pick it off. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe Taven would have dropped the pick knowing him, but he was there on the running back. It was another screen where basically the quarterback had to literally go over Taven Bryant's head because Taven Bryant was in the path between him and the running back. And you know how we already talked about the struggles against the screen game earlier you know, that was good to see, you know, somebody out there that has seen enough screens that, like, he recognized it right off the bat. Uh, he got in the backfield one time, misdirected the running back a little bit, uh, and he just missed one tackle that went for, like, a five, six-yard gain. Uh, he was right there at the the heels of the running back, just couldn't quite get him. So all I'm saying is if Taven Bryan makes those three plays, it's a whole different perspective, right? People are like, oh, Taven actually had a – good game if he makes those plays and also it doesn't help that he had the um the penalty the false start penalty or um the encroachment penalty so that didn't help you know that just only adds to pile on to you know all of the things that people have already been piling on to his name again um, I don't necessarily think like he is a guy that I would have put on the team uh but at the same time you know, I was telling you and Boogie this. I think Doug Costin was a guy that he had a low-key enough preseason to the point where I understand the Jags' logic there. Uh, let's waive Doug Costin. He probably has a better chance to clear waivers than some of these other guys we could cut, and we could put him on practice squad. And that's basically maybe what they took on there. Um, and, you know, that was the right frame of mind, apparently, because Doug Costin didn't get picked up, and now he's on the practice squad. So it's, it looks like we didn't lose him uh, although we did cut or waive, excuse me, Daniel EQL uh, to add on the receiver Johnson that we added on today, which we'll talk about later. So, um, yeah, I, I really like what I saw out of the defense, man. A lot of good things. And, um, again, we just want to see that translate to when they play the starters. Yeah, uh, they forced four straight punts to start the game. They had uh, gave up just 76 yards rushing on 21 carries which is the fewest amount of rushing yards given up by any team in the preseason. So uh, also the quarterbacks for the Cowboys all finished below a 50% completion percentage. And uh, yeah, they just, it just was a good outing all around for the entire team, even special teams as well. So, and, and you just like to see again, like you mentioned there in the beginning, Jay, you like to see that consistency and momentum. Yeah. And one more person, um, let's not forget about Devon Hamilton who continues mm -hmm. to, develop and who continues to get better and better throughout the games we've seen you know he went on IR last year but we saw shades of it last year you know I, I'll never forget that Chargers game that he had mm -hmm. he just straight up manhandled them I, I'm sure they their offensive linemen if they're still there on the team have nightmares about that game but uh, he was a guy he's he's looking like he's going to be an unstoppable force and he looks like a guy that the Jaguars really looked up on because he didn't necessarily, if I can recall, he didn't necessarily start in a lot of games for Ohio State, uh, but the ability was always there. And I think the Jaguars saw the upside and it's starting to come out now. And uh, if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, he's going to be, uh, you know, a key piece for that offense or, excuse me, that defense for years to come, man. Like, it's always nice to have – a big man that can eat space, especially in the three-four defense. Um, it's always good to have a big man that can eat space and do the things that he's been doing. And uh, you know, Malcolm Brown is there to coach him up. Veteran that's been there, done that. And you can't help but really get excited about that line, man. Between those guys and DeJuan Smoot making plays, I think DeJuan Smoot got another pressure. Uh, you got the young guy Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith had the low key. The lowest key of keys of pre, uh, preseason games that I've ever seen. I didn't notice this until I wrote the article for USA Today to go in the paper. 
he had like a sack, a tackle for loss, and maybe uh, caused a fumble or a quarterback hit or something like that. He literally affected the quarterback in every way you could except for getting an interception. And he ended the preseason with like nine tackles or something. So he's a little bit raw. You know, he, he's a guy that they have to get into his upside and tap into it. But you got to be excited about where he could be down the road in maybe a year or two if he keeps developing or, you know, they they get um, they continue to coach him up like he needs to be coached up. Yeah, like you said, just low-key, really, really solid performances. If you weren't necessarily fully paying attention because it was later on in the preseason game, then you missed out on some players flashing for sure, Jordan Smith being being one of them. So again, just a really, really great performance for all facets of the team, offense, defense, and special teams. And you hope they carry that momentum into Houston here in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, Jay, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, you know, the defensive analysis on this podcast is about to get a lot, a lot more interesting here. Uh, you guys will hear about that very, very soon. But, you know, there wasn't really too much else to talk about as far as the game goes. You know, of course, we wanted to point out, of course, the obvious, which was Trevor, but then also give some shine to the defense. And let's talk about the last couple of days here, right? Because, of course, the roster has now been trimmed to 53, which means that a lot of players are no longer with the team. Now, I'm going to read off a list of team players that were waived and released. And keep in mind, some of these players have now returned via the practice squad, which I will go over here in just a moment. But first, I'm just going to give you give you guys the names of the players that were waived or released. So we have a cornerback, Lorenzo Burns, wide receiver, Jalen Camp, defensive tackle, Doug Costin, wide receiver, Jeff Cotton Jr., running back, Nathan Cottrell, tight end, Tyler Davis, tight end, Ben Ellison, wide receiver, Josh Hammond, wide receiver, Tevin Jones, quarterback, Jake Luton, offensive lineman, Casey McDermott, running back, Divine Azigbo, Offensive lineman, Austin Pleasance. Defensive back, Brandon Rusnak. Offensive lineman, Badara Traore. Offensive lineman, Trevor Wallace-Sims. Linebacker, Quincy Williams. And then released were wide receiver, Farrow. Oh, also, I, have to, I mentioned uh, Colin Johnson waved as well. I wanted to leave him for last because it makes me the most sad. Uh, as far as players that were released, wide receiver, Farrow Cooper. Wide receiver, Philip Dorsett. Offensive lineman Jermaine Illuminor, wide receiver Devin Smith, wide receiver Laquan Treadwell, and safety Jared Wilson. Josh Jones was very briefly put on injured reserve, but he has also since been released uh, after an injury settlement. And then uh, Dylan Moses was placed on reserve non-football injury list as he continues to rehab his knee. Now, as I mentioned, we'll talk about it here in just a moment. Some of these players have now returned on the practice squad and we'll go over that list here in just a minute. But Jay, what did you think about these, you know, these cuts and, and releases? Of course, always a really, really difficult day. And as I know, I can speak for myself as I've gotten to know the team more and be around, you know, just not personally be around the team, but getting to know the team a little bit more intimately. These, these days are always really rough around the entire league. And of course, you know, myself being devastated that just a year removed from being a fourth round pick here in Jacksonville. One of my favorite college players, Colin Johnson is no longer with the team as well. He has been picked up by the New York giants, but you know, what of uh, what are these names that stuck out to you? And wh what do you think the thought process was when making the cuts down to 53? Yeah. I mean, some of them, man, when you look at them, it's like, Oh man, that guy probably isn't coming back. Like you said, Colin Johnson is one of them. Of course, like I knew somebody will probably pick him up on the waiver wire and then it was guys like that you're hoping and kind of clinging to that you hope could be available for the practice squad and nobody picks him up via the waiver wire. Jeff Cotton was one who played out of his damn mind <laughs> against the Dallas uh, Cowboys. And it was crazy because, you know, you get sense that the, what Urban Meyer had been trying to preach all along is like, look, y'all are running out of time. I need to see the best from y'all. And you feel like the receivers specifically registered that message against Dallas because they were diving for balls. They were literally, they were explosive, explosive as they have been all the preseason in terms of like big playability. You got your man, Devin Smith, who was just signed right off the street, coming in there, making a play. Uh, shout outs to him. I met him at the senior bowl one time. He was real cool. Uh, reuniting with Urban Meyer, by the way. I know a lot of people say, oh, he was just here for a cup of coffee and now he's on a practice squad. But, you know, Urban is familiar with them. And he was a kid that, you know, that offered explosive playmaking ability. And, you know, that I think, like, that was my biggest takeaway from 
uh, the practice squad, or excuse me, the um, those last wave of cuts and releases, my biggest takeaway was, and I was telling people this, if you can recall in the last podcast, I mentioned this many, many times. Everybody was stuck on, oh, the offensive line is bad. I was more so stuck on nobody separating, y'all. Nobody separating. And the reason I kept mentioning that was uh, mentioning that was because Urban Meyer, that couldn't have sat well with Urban Meyer, who we know is a guy that loves speed, who is a guy that loves explosive playmaking ability. And that then, you know, as a fan, like that was concerning too. It's like, okay, well, would you get uh, potentially get your starting offensive line back? You get Cam Robinson, Brandon Linder, and Andrew Norwell back. That doesn't change the fact that the receivers aren't separated. You know what I'm saying? It can't just be DJ Chark can't be the long separator for this team. I got I got news for y'all. If he's the long guy that can get separation or he's the long guy that can make plays and, and Marvin Jones and LaVisca, are, if they're the long receivers that can make plays for this team, we're going to be in for a long year. We've seen it in the past. They need contributions from elsewhere. They needed, you know, a Keelan Cole to step up every now and then. They needed a D.D. Westbrook to step up every now and then. It can't be just three guys. And I think Urban Meyer and the staff register that. And that's why these last wave of cuts are the way that they are with Josh Hammond, uh, with Colin Johnson. You know, you notice a lot of receivers here. And, you, of course, you're going to notice a lot of receivers because that's the most plentiful position in terms of, you know, what, what people have in training camp. You typically see, like, 12 and upwards receivers in training camp. And you see, like, Jeff Cotton, who – play it again out of his mind. That's why you see these cuts because a lot of those guys lack the ability to separate. So that was my biggest takeaway is like the Jaguars did not like what they saw out of the back end of their receivers. And they were going to go and look for some speed threats, which me and you have talked about already. And we'll discuss later. That's why they got Johnson. You know, they replaced the Johnson with the Johnson. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until like I was <laughs> looking at my little list here. Uh, so that being said, that was my biggest takeaway. Uh, from what I saw. Also, you know, some guys that, you know, that you just kind of shake your head about. It's like Quincy Williams. You know, that was once a third-round pick for us. That's unfortunate. Like, he never worked out and he wasn't – Never panned out. Right. It wasn't a scheme fit. You hate to see that because you invested a high draft pick, a starter-level draft pick into him. Uh, Ben Elson, who I kind of liked, at the same time he didn't really make any plays – uh, for the Jags, uh, Tyler Davis, who another former late round pick for the Jaguars, uh, maybe they'll bring him back on practice squad. Uh, so you see names like that, and it's like, oh, uh, man, like that's kind of tough to deal with. And Doug Costin, of course, like all of us were upset that Taven Bryant made it over him. Luckily, again, I knew in the back of my head that he would probably clear waivers because he had such a low key preseason. And luckily, that's what happened. And the Jaguars were probably thinking the same. They were able to get him. So. Um, we'll see, you know what I'm saying, if what, what they do with those last few practice squad spots, which we'll talk on in a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, man, it's always one of the toughest days uh, for a fan, especially, you know, you, you kind of wish they could keep 90 players, you know what I'm saying, like the initial training camp roster, but they can't. It's just not possible. And uh, this is the day that most of us dread. And you know it's hard on the players as well because these are the guys they built relationships with over the last few months or so. Yeah, for sure. You know, I can only imagine the camaraderie that is built over the last, you know, few months from, you know, when you report and then all the way up until this date. And, you know, uh, of, of course, me being a Texas fan and Jay, you know, the excitement that I was feeling when we actually drafted a guy that I had been clamoring for and Colin Johnson. But even I can admit when, you know, like we said, Trevor Lawrence went 11 for 12 and that one incompletion was that slant to Colin Johnson. And when he didn't get any separation, I was like, oh, no. You know, like you said, all these other receivers are trying to show out. Devin Smith, like you said, who literally just walked in, you know, off the street, as you said, and then making plays. And then Colin Johnson in his, you know, six foot five frame, unable to create separation there. It's yeah, he definitely flashed last season. And I think he still has an opportunity to be a, a solid contributor and he's heading over to the giants. I'm not sure how that's going to work out for him, but you know, just here, it just didn't work out. Unfortunately, uh, he is heading to New York. Also Quincy Williams heading to New York as well. He'll be reunited with his brother. I think it was it Ben Ellison that got picked up by the Vikings or was it Tyler Davis? I'm trying to remember. It, it was one of the two. It was Ben Elson. And and um to your point with Colin Johnson, I think they they might have wanted to probably get him on the practice squad. You know, like again, we yeah. we knew it wouldn't happen because uh he was such a 
big time threat in college and he's only one year removed from you know his time in college or whatever the case may be so you know his his film from texas is still fresh in the minds of these scouts around the rest of the nfl but yeah it was uh elson that went to uh the vikings and that's because uh irv smith they needed some depth there irv smith jr uh had meniscus surgery so he's i think he's out for the year correct yeah so they needed some tight end help and i believe jake luton is going to seattle i think their practice squad uh, I believe so. They made room for him. He was uh, signed, then, actually. He was signed. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So Jake Luton will will uh, will be there in Seattle. What do you have to say about uh, Jay? About I mean, I don't know how how surprised you were that it happened, but you know, of course, a free agent signing in Philip Dorsett, but also a guy in Jared Wilson, who we've talked about extensively in the preseason or in the off season about just being a guy. You know, so like, are you are you surprised? There, they seem to definitely be going all in with Andre Cisco here. And what do you think, of course, of them just uh, deciding not to go forward with Philip Dorsett? Cause he really, even though he was a free agent designer, he really did not really show us that much in the preseason. Yeah. I was surprised because I thought urban Meyer would, would try and hold on to him on a, the 53 man roster and just hope that uh, the playmaking would just, you know, come eventually. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. And I, I talked to you and Boogie about this and I said it on Twitter because Look, he was one of the guys they brought in to be a speed threat and be a separator. And he wasn't really doing that. He wasn't making standout plays. Even the play that he made on Sunday, I was telling uh, one of the followers this. Um, I forgot. I think it was D- uh, my man Demo. Shout out to him. I was telling him, even in that play, he pushed off the the cornerback to create the separation. So it's like, he. what did he really do aside from that play? You know, we hadn't really – and then that was the last play we saw him the whole day, if I can recall. I don't think he did anything else after that. So that being said, I wasn't surprised in the sense of, like I said, I knew in the back of my mind, Urban Meyer was disappointed with the back-end receivers. And speaking of Demo, he just literally liked the tweet of mine. It's, it's funny how <laughs> I just mentioned him and uh, he liked the tweet. Maybe he's listening. Sometimes he can't script it, man. <laughs> right, right. He's, he's listening into this Zoom somehow. I don't know. How right. We're not even live, but he's listening. That is dedication. We we appreciate that. If you're if you're a listener and you're not somehow listening live, then are you really even a fan? <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, you know, Philip said, uh, you know, didn't really do anything to um, to turn heads. And then, yeah, Jared Wilson. Again, a player who is not necessarily bad, but he's also not good. He was just kind of occupying a space. So that didn't really surprise me too much either. Yeah, on him, you know, like it, it, that's the biggest shocker to me because of like you, you put Dewey Wingard on. And look, man, we just, let's call it what it is, man. You put Dewey Wingard on this team, and I know Urban Meyer likes him a lot, on this team over Gerard Wilson. Now, that is one place I wasn't willing to go with this whole thing. It's like Dewey Wingard is not better than Gerard Wilson in any way, shape, or form. Like, And if you want to make the special teams argument, Wilson can go out there and make tackles for you on special teams if that's what you want. Uh, but that being said, um, and I don't know, I can't speak on this personally. I don't know this personally, but – Maybe that that is a situation where the vaccinations played a role into it, you know, because it's just odd. It's really odd that Andrew Winger made it over, excuse me, Wingard, as they say. But it's funny that he made this team over somebody who had started. I think Wilson started over 20 games, you know, like that's just not normal at all. But, you know, um, I guess, you know, time will tell and. Uh, you know, it might be something that come out on that later down the road. But that was the oddest one for me. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, they've moved on. And it looks like, you know, Andre Cisco should definitely not have any issues uh, in terms of being a starter. Not to say that um, I think they kept Rudy Ford and Daniel Thomas, though, who are they're, they're very good safeties in terms of what they could do on special teams. Daniel Thomas uh, scored a touchdown for us last year, blocked a punt, scooped it, and scored. I know y'all can remember that one. And he's a sneaky good athlete. That's good for him because Daniel Thomas missed some time on COVID reserve. And, you know, I don't think he played the first week. Good for him to make up that ground. And also, um, like, Rudy Ford was making plays, man. One, of, He's arguably one of the fastest people He's on been the team. all over the place the last couple of games. Yeah. Like, I like that guy. Like, he was a guy I really didn't – like, I kind of discounted early in the process. I was like, yeah, they signed him in free agency, but I don't see that guy making the team. 
And like he proved me wrong slowly but surely. And he made plays. He made that open field tackle on the uh, receiver. Uh, that you know, if he don't make that tackle, the receiver probably gets the first down. So can't wait to see what he brings on this team in terms of what he can do in special teams. I mean, wouldn't exactly be shocked if he started, you know, a few games or something that uh, you know, safety because uh, for whatever reason, the Jaguars seem to think Cisco needs more development. But um, you know, like again, it's over a week left before the first preseason game. Maybe Cisco can finally insert himself in that starting lineup. But things are interesting there at that safety position, even without Gerard Wilson, they still have some talent there. Absolutely. And uh, we'll get into the addition that they made off the waiver wire here in just a moment. As far as the wide receiver room, I want to go off the names that were added to the practice squad. Now, keep in mind, you'll only hear 13 names here. Because, uh, so there are still three open spots as far as the Jaguars practice squad goes. So they hang on to cornerback uh, Lorenzo Burns, defensive tackle Doug Costin, like we said, wide receiver Jeff Cotton Jr., running back Nathan Cottrell, wide receiver Philip Dorsett, wide receiver Josh Hammond, offensive lineman Casey McDermott, defense, uh, running back Divina Zigbo, defensive back Brandon Rusnak, wide receiver Devin Smith, offensive lineman Badara Traore, uh, wide receiver Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, offensive lineman Trevor Wallace-Sims, and there is a player absent from that list, you guys may be wondering, and that is wide receiver Jalen Camp, who was a draft pick just this season. So, Jay, what do you think about that? I mean, we kind of were under the assumption that maybe they were going to stash him because he didn't play a lot in the preseason, only played, I think, uh, four or five snaps in the Cowboys game. He may maybe a little bit more, but we didn't see him a lot at all. Now, do you think now, again, there's three more spots left. Could one of these go to Jalen camp? Maybe, but like, why didn't they do it today? That's the interesting part. But also you think that that one of those spots is probably going to go to a quarterback. Another one of the spots is probably going to go to a tight end. Maybe if, if correct me if I'm wrong. And that leaves maybe one open spot. So what do you think it means that Jalen camp has not been added to the practice squad as of the time of recording, which is September 1st here, 2021. Yeah, it's a little concerning, actually. And, you, I mean, yeah, albeit a six-round pick, you still don't want to spend a six-round pick on a player and give up on him within the first year. You know, that's just a waste. Uh, and, and practice squad is the place to develop such a late-round talent. You know, that's what you – when you pick a receiver six-round, the first thing that went to my mind, especially with Camp, was, yeah, he's going to be on practice squad. You know, like, granted, you have to go out there and earn it. And, and show things and maybe like what you know I was trying to come to a conclusion of what the deal was maybe they didn't like his hands you know because he was one of the guys I actually saw that was able to separate in the preseason um but you know none of that means nothing if you can't catch the ball so maybe that's what it was like you said maybe he goes on one of these last spots but they already have five receivers on his practice squad um unit and not only that they have some receivers that are similar to him you know they have a Philip Dorsett uh, they have, I mean, even though phys Philip Dorsett probably isn't as physically gifted in terms of uh, the size, but Philip Dorsett's one of them. Um, Devin Smith is another one. So, like, they have, two, you know, they have two guys on this roster or on this practice squad roster, albeit they are older than him and around the age of 30. They have some guys that are similar to him. So that kind of that kind of makes you wary of his chances to uh, basically come on the roster and, and be one of the last practice squads by uh, practice squad uh, players on this list. So, I mean, that being said, man, I hope they keep him again for the simple fact you spent a six round pick on him and you want to just, you know, kind of give him that chance to develop. And, you know, Georgia Tech players, you know, as of late, they've kind of needed a lot of time to develop. So, like, I felt like that's something that they should have taken into account when they, they drafted him. You know, like this kid isn't probably going to be where we need him to be immediately like and that's part of drafting too is like do we have the time and do we have the ability to spend on keeping him on practice squad if that's necessary whatever the case may be that's what the good teams do they look that far into it they even look into the six round picks and say can we get that guy right and do we have the willingness and the wherewithal to work with him if it takes three to four years whatever the case may be that's why the Baltimore Ravens or, you know, these other organizations just off the top of my head, the Kansas City Chiefs, that's what maybe makes them different from the other ones, the Seattle Seahawks in terms of their front office. Uh, but that being said, we'll see what happens in terms of Jalen Camp's future. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that does have the height, the weight, and the speed. The tools are there 
Uh, he just needs the right person to work with him. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, those Georgia Tech receivers. Not everybody is Calvin Johnson, I think is what you're trying to say. Right. So we right. certainly didn't get that out of Jalen Camp. But is there anybody, because I mentioned, you know, one of those spots is going to go to a quarterback. Is there anybody that you have your eye on or you think that might fill that role as far as their practice squad QB? I actually haven't looked that in-depthly into the receivers that were cut because I think it's, the thing about it is it's hard to find a good receiver that was cut. Receiver uh, or quarterback? Uh, quarterback, excuse me, a good quarterback that was cut. Um, One, and I don't think that he's necessarily good, but one notable I saw, uh, and that's because it's within the division, was Matt Barkley maybe, but I don't know like how I feel about him as a practice squad guy, but – um, he was a notable. I'll can I'll continue to like research and see who was out there. But um, yeah, Jake Loon's a tough loss, man, because you know he's a guy he's that he's got starts. He's got NFL starts. So. Three has the height, has the weight, has the speed, and he showed us something in that Cowboys game. He was he was balling, man. Um, he just didn't get the reps in Jacksonville, and uh, you know, like when, again, going back to what I was saying about the good front offices. Seattle was like, hey, I remember when that kid went to Oregon State. We need to grab him. That's what separates the good front offices from the bad ones. Is somebody somebody in Seattle scouted him yep. and was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> went right down the road and scouted him. And, uh, you know, like those Seattle Seahawks scouts, I mean, um, a lot of people respect them, you know, to the team. And, and I remember being at a, uh, one of the senior bowl practices, and uh, they were in the playoffs, I, would think, I believe, at the time. Or they had just been eliminated from the playoffs. But those guys came in, the Seahawks scouts, they looked like they were all businessmen and they were jotting down their notes like every scout is basically. But, you know, like you could tell, like, it's like those guys are really about their business there. But, um, you know, we'll see what they do for that last spot. You have to think like the Jaguars aren't going to go through the season with just two quarterbacks um, and they're going to have to put one on a practice squad. That would be the smart thing to do, especially in today's day and age. Well, of course, you know, the uh, you know, the big move here that everyone has been talking about all day that had the fan base really, really excited was the Jaguars claiming former Chargers wide receiver Tyron Johnson off of waivers. And Jay, you know, this was as much of a no brainer and something so obvious that I think everybody saw coming from a mile away. He fit a very specific need. And I can just tell you just from looking at Chargers Twitter and Chargers Reddit, they are baffled that this happened you know we know why he was released and jay i'll let you go over that here in just a moment or at least maybe one of the things that led to his release but you know there are charger fans saying that at certain points of the season he was their second best wide receiver last year he obviously built up a rapport with justin herbert i mean think about him though also going from justin herbert to trevor lawrence i mean talk about playing with two young quarterbacks to start off your career as well so the Jaguars obviously bring in Tyron Johnson into the wide receiver room. And, you know, just from what we've heard about his personality, seems like he's going to fit in pretty well in that room. That's very outspoken, very, very close. So what do you think about the Jags? You know, they had first, of course, in waiver claims, and this was the only move that they made, but it was a big deal as far as that one sole move. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, when somebody of this magnitude and somebody that is highly spoken of hits the waiver wire and a lot of fans, uh, you know, give the team backlash for it. Of course, you know, you do your research and this, that, and the other to see kind of why, like, uh, the relationship ended or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, upon looking at all of that, you know, maybe some people uh, or, or people were throwing out there that maybe the coaching staff didn't like Johnson in terms of uh, he, he may have been a little bit too outspoken or whatever the case may be. And again, none of this stuff, we're not rolling with any of this stuff or saying any of this stuff is true. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just putting out uh, reasons out there that he could have been on a waiver wire or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it was something that we're saying that maybe he was a little bit uh, outspoken for a player in terms of just drawing back and forth with the opposition and uh, this, that, and the other, which, you know, you have some coaches who would just prefer you to just go out there and do your thing and, and do it silently. But at the same time, there's also coaches who don't mind that, you know, and uh, I've said it myself personally, I don't mind that as long as you're productive or whatever the case may be and get the job done on the field. I don't, you know, that don't really bother me. Um, a prime example, again, I know a lot of people don't like it when I mention his name, but Jalen Ramsey. So um, we saw Jalen Ramsey be very effective at going back and forth with the opposition in terms of 
of what he had to say. But at the same time, he brought it on the field and was an all pro and a pro bowler and locked down the other receivers. So it really didn't matter. You know, all of that was all good for me. So uh, if Johnson can offer some similar things, then that's cool. So maybe that was it. Or maybe it's a case of just simply uh, basically maybe the Chargers were just deep at receiver. We've been in that situation before we was in that situation last year. Remember when uh, the Jags drafted Colin Johnson, I think they got Chris Conley out of free agency that year. Um, and we were, you know, at the end of training camp and at the end of, you know, evaluating the final 53-man roster or who could be on the final 53-man roster, we were sitting there contemplating uh, how deep we were or we were sitting there discussing how deep we were at receiver and saying like, oh, man, is Keelan Cole going to get cut? Is uh, D.D. Westbrook was another name that was thrown out there. Is he going to get cut? Like, what's, what's going to happen at receiver? How are they going to get all of these guys on the roster? And uh, maybe it's a case of that. So whatever whatever the case may be. And, again, we're not saying that uh, the stuff that we were reading was true about him in terms of, uh, you know, the coaches maybe not seeing eye-to-eye -to, -eye to him in terms of just being a little too vocal with the opposition and not focusing on the task at hand. We're not saying that's true, but – I just wanted to throw some reasons out there as to why he could have been on the waiver wire. So, I mean, the, the talent and the ability is there. And like you said, I mean, it was a give me, man. Like it was soon as we heard that he was going to be on the waiver wire, everybody was like, look, it's no way Urban Meyer's passing up that kind of speed. And he has a year of experience on a regular season roster, um, has a 19.9 uh, receiving average in terms of his receiving yards. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this guy gels with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we all know Trevor Lawrence throws a beautiful deep ball. Uh, we no longer, and this is <laughs> this is just calling it the truth, we no longer have Gardner Minshew back there where the ball will die at about 20 yards. Uh, we got somebody who can actually out-throw this guy and make him come and get the ball uh, like we've seen Justin Herbert doing videos, of course. So I'm excited to see that. You know how I like speed threats anyway. I've always been a big speed threat guy. That's kind of burned me in the past, though, in terms of, like, Kendall Wright and all of those guys I put a lot of faith in and whatnot. But uh, that's in the past. That's in the past. Those are bad analyses I had when I was a young scout. I'm better now. So <laughs> let's see if uh, let's see what Johnson got. And um, I, I hope he's a guy that's around for many, many years to come. Hey, listen, man, you're talking to somebody who was all in on guys like Jared Dillard, you know, back in the day. So we've all gotten better. And, uh, you know, hopefully the caliber of wide receiver that we brought in has certainly gotten better as well. But, yeah, I did want to touch on that here just a moment before we wrap up this episode. Jay, of course, a couple of trades did happen. The Jaguars did ship Gardner Minshew to the Philadelphia Eagles for their favorite thing in the world, which I believe is a sixth round pick. That is their absolute favorite thing because they also shipped Sidney Jones over to Seattle also for a sixth round pick. So uh, Jay, oh, and also we got a seventh round pick because Josh Oliver has made the team in Baltimore, Maryland. And when he is an all pro tight end, I will sit atop this throne on Believe in the Jaguars and say, I told you so, damn it. And I will wear that crown with pride. But Jay, listen, we just like you did just a moment ago, we like to give Gardner Minshew a, a lot of crap because you know what? He didn't, he wasn't a starting quarterback and a lot of people couldn't really see that until it was too late. But I will always very, very fondly remember Minshew mania and those first couple of games of last year where we had had discussions saying, hey, is Gardner Minshew the future quarterback of this team? Now, we know that that is simply not the case, but I will always remember that time fondly. Was the team good? Not necessarily. Were they fun and entertaining? Absolutely. So shout out to Gardner for that. I will definitely remember Minshew mania much more uh, positively than I remembered the boat days. So even though the boat kind of gave us 2017, but it's also kind of unrelated. So <laughs> what do you think about Gardner Minshew and what will you remember most about his tenure uh, here with the Jaguars? Yeah, man. The funny thing is when you were talking about Gardner Minshew, it was, it was crazy in the beginning. He actually could connect on deep balls. It was crazy because a lot of people didn't associate him with deep throwing ability or whatever the case may be. Remember him and DJ chart had somewhat of a good uh, connection in the beginning. And then I don't know what happened. Well, you know, the, he, he injured his hand, um, you know, the team started to figure him out, uh, figure him out in this, that, and the other. But like you said, man, like Gardner Minshew, man, 
he provided Jags fans with one of the funnest times we've had in recent history. And that's because we've dealt with a lot of losing, but you cannot forget the times that he's provided us with the Minshew mania days. We'll never forget the Denver Broncos play. We'll never forget Gardner Minshew sitting at the desk on NFL network. Um, you know, speaking with the analysts after Thursday night football, after we defeated the Titans, by the way, something we can't seem to do much of now in modern times. Gardner Minshew gave us a win against the Titans. Do not forget that, ladies and gentlemen. So that man gave us a win against them. Primetime win. Primetime win, you know. Had the world looking at us like, hey, they might have something there. We were like, hey, it might be something there too as well. So, um, yeah, wish them the best of luck with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Like you said, you made a good point. I don't know if that fan base is made for him um, in terms of like – Not when, a good spot for him. Right. No. When, it, when it's not looking good – they are going to tear into him. You know, I mean, we saw that some here in Jacksonville. It was some people willing to admit, like, hey, man, this guy is the guy. He's, a you know, one of the better backups in the league, but not necessarily the guy like some people wanted him to be. But just imagine that on a grander scale at a heightened level. That's Philadelphia. You know, they really are going to tell it like it is. So, um, you know, I wish, you know, maybe he could have went to a different spot. But then again, like, you know, they are a place that likes – uh, from what I've been reading, they really like to develop quarterbacks. So, you know, they'll develop him behind Joe Flacco. I was mentioning this, I think, in one of my articles, actually. Uh, the Jag, well, he might not even see the field this year with Joe Flacco there. Uh, but at the same time, like, maybe what you'll see down the road, Joe Flacco's on a one-year deal. Maybe you'll see Gardner Minshew potentially start next year. If Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, Joe Flacco's going to be gone because he's on a one-year deal. It's really men's shoes, you know, it could be his job to have. And look, why not give him a shot if you're the Philadelphia Eagles because he's on a dirt cheap contract. He'll be on the last year of that six-round deal that he signed. Maybe we see that, but I don't know. Like, I'm kind of curious about Jalen Hurts, and I want to see what he could do. I think he has potential. I don't know uh, if he'll be a starting quarterback, but, I mean, I, I think he has some good traits. And uh, he has not just, you know, a lot of people associate him with being a great athlete, but – there may be some good throwing traits there that we could see if he has, and, um, you know, time will tell on him. But, yeah, maybe Gardner Minshew will start next year. We don't want that because if he starts next year, the the fifth-round pick, or I think it's a sixth. No, it's a fifth. No, yeah, yeah, it's a sixth. The sixth won't get elevated to a fifth if he starts next year. We need him to start this year. That's the key. So, uh, Joe Flacco, you know, I, well, he's he, looked terrible. So. Right, right. <laughs> Joe Flacco, do not get in the way of us getting our pick, all right, man? Just let Gardner Minshew do his thing as as uh, Minshew uh, Magic and Minshew Mania. Let him do his thing so we can get our pick. And, uh, you know, we'll I guess it'll, instead of having four six-round picks, we'll then have three instead. So, like you said, dude, like <laughs> so many late-round picks. Favorite thing in the world, man. Yeah, like that's, that's so weird. All of, like a lot of which we traded for. So I don't know if Trent Baalke gets on the phone and he's like, the baseline is a six round pick. Like <laughs> start at six and yeah. <laughs> work our way down. But uh, yeah, that's the starting point. But whatever. I mean, you know, maybe we could flip some of them picks and turn them into some late round gems, you know, and, and get some more Gardner Minshews or Jake Luton, somebody who can give us multiple starts, at least whatever the case may be. Rashad Jennings, you know. <laughs> I would have liked to see Gardner and it wouldn't really have worked there because of course they have essentially who is supposed to be their quarterback of the future, but I would have loved to see him go to a place like green Bay. I think he would have really aggratiated himself with that fan base. I think that would have worked out for him. Maybe even going back home and going to Seattle, you know, maybe that would have worked out for him as well, but Philly is certainly not it. So I don't, I hope they don't eat him alive because he, he seems like a good person. And every time, you know, I got to see him out in public, he was always very, very nice. And, you know, just a guy that was a victim of circumstance. One, he lacks the ability to be a full-time starting quarterback. And also a literal generational talent came in and stole his job. And honestly, that sometimes, sometimes it'd be like that. And I think, <laughs> I think that's really the only way to wrap up Gardner Minshew's time here in Jacksonville is it'd be like that sometimes. So again, we send our best to Gardner and certainly hope that he has success elsewhere. Uh, just not against us. So uh, go ahead, Jay. I know you had another thing to add on. If I can recall, and you probably can research this, maybe Gardner Minshew could work out in Philadelphia because at one point in time, wasn't Jeff Garcia there? 
And there have been comparisons, if I can recall, Jeff Garcia to Gardner Minshew. So maybe it could work out. But yeah, you I mean you hit the nail yeah. on the head, man. Um Green Bay feels like a real good spot for him in terms of uh the fit, but um didn't happen. You know, maybe like you said, Seattle, you know, Seattle would have made sense because they have a ton of film on him from, you know, obviously in the same state. So you know they like they it wasn't nothing for them to travel and watch him at uh Wazoo. So um, we'll see how it works out or whatever the case may be, but he does have an NFL future for sure. He's not a guy that we're going. Oh to yeah, he's here. not going anywhere. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, he's not a guy we're going to sit here and say, oh, he doesn't belong in the league. That's clearly not the case at all. No, he definitely proved that. And you know, one thing that and you've heard me say this before, Jay, I think he could very well be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. He could have a very, very prolonged career. He's a guy that's going to be entertaining. That can win you five or six games. But will he necessarily be the guy that puts you over the top? Probably not. So if he ends up being Ryan Fitzpatrick, that is a pretty successful career. And we can say that it all started right here in Duval County and we were here to watch it. So, um, yeah, again, best of luck to not only Gardner, but also Sidney Jones. And, you know, uh, and we definitely hope that they see success elsewhere. But we are going to wrap up this episode here, folks. And we thank you so much for joining us uh, now. You guys, if, if you do follow us on social media, you have seen that we have been teasing that the team here at Believe in the Jaguars is growing. And, you know, we're not going to give it away quite yet. Actually, next week's episode is where you guys will learn about that. But, Jay, of course, without giving anything away, you know, I'm really excited to see what people uh, see to for people to see what we have in store for Believe in the Jaguars, because things are going to get uh, a lot more interesting here very, very soon. I'll spoil it. It's my dog, <laughs> Snuggums. All right. My dog yep. Snuggums. He will be uh, joining Jay's us. dog, Jay's dog Snuggums, and my dog Shuri. They're actually joining us here on uh, here on Believe in the Jaguars. So we're going right. to get a special canine perspective of the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's it's hard for them to watch too. Like I try and put Snug on on the couch and make him watch Jazz games, and he just kind of turned the other way. So then again, he won't be a good co-host. I don't know. And then Shuri. Shuri's just too active, man. She <laughs> it don't take much to I mean, get her mind off of a TV. So she probably You say that as I look over and she is passed out. So right, I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh so yeah, I mean like it's just good. Like me and you have we feel like at this point we've kind of done it all in terms of um, you know, what what we can do it together, what we could do with a, another journalist, which shout outs to Jacob. Uh, when we were at Trio, we've done some good things with him. Uh, we've done pretty much what you all you can do, and we, we still want to look into getting in more guests, but we've done everything you could do in terms of uh, getting elite guests in, you know, the Ian Rappaports of the world, uh, the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world. Again, this regular season, we want to get guests on to bring in perspectives from uh, the other teams and give us some insight and, you know, intel from other teams. We'll definitely be looking into that. But, yeah, this brings a new perspective in terms of, I mean, I guess it's no secret that it's a player, right, Phil, just based off of the little silhouette you right, <laughs> Right, So, right. We're, yeah, to have a player perspective, and it's no secret because everybody know what Believe does in terms of their podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, right, um, exactly. Uh, yeah, it brings a player perspective that me and Phil can really, really uh, hone into and listen to and take in and absorb. If you all know this, when we've done crossover episodes, right, like with Denard Walker, me and Phil are always asking, and we're asking Davey questions as well, but Denard Walker, we're also, we're asking Denard Walker, okay, so what do you think about when the team gives you this look? What do you think about when the team gives you that look? Uh, what do you think the coach was thinking? Remember the last, or one of the last episodes we were in, we asked him, literally asked him, the mind and the thought process of Greg Williams, because uh, literally the NFL community was just going crazy because Greg Williams basically uh, lost the Jets a game that they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they uh, that they should have won. Uh, you know, just just doing crazy things defensively, and we asked Denard like he he was like, yeah, I played for Greg Williams, and me and you asked him like. Is that stuff he really does at the end of games? Does he go and cover zero in, in the end of games? And Denard was like, yes, I played for this man. That's just his personality. It's It takes like that that we could get now from the perspective of a player. And a, um, I'll say this, a former draft pick, 
And that's I'll leave it at that, a former draft pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who can really, really help bring a new perspective to this podcast, uh, which is well received. And we appreciate everybody uh, who's been fans throughout and ask that you continue to support us uh, with our new guests and um, the third host of the new Believe in Jags. That's right, folks. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, next week, we will have that host on and introduce you to uh, to him and let him tell his story about how he got here. And also, as he, as Jay mentioned, we're, it's just going to bring a whole new perspective to the show. And we're very, very excited about it. But you will have to wait another week. Until then, we thank you guys so much for listening to Believe in the Jaguars. Again, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. It is one of the best ways you can support the show. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Keep up with the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Don. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We are presented by Bet Online. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.